Welcome to the Viato Podcast's special series, Retail Revival. In the series, we'll be taking a closer look at the operational challenges, issues, and opportunities dealers across the country are facing with the COVID-19 crisis. In each series episode, Viato thought leaders and dealers will share their insights and perspectives to help you manage your business today and find your way to a brighter tomorrow. I'm your host, Lance Helgeson with Viato. One of the big things that is on dealers' mind is what exactly is happening in today's wholesale market. Let you know, push retail aside for just a second, but what's going on with auctions? And to give us some perspective and insight into that, I've asked Patrick Janes, Director of Business Development for V Auto's Stockwave, to join us today. Patrick, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Lance. Pleasure to be with you today. Indeed. Well, it's probably the understatement of our time to say that the wholesale marketplace was topsy-turvy over the last uh, couple weeks. But, you know, we did have a moment uh, or two, a few days, where if you wanted to buy cars, the only way you could do it was through online outlets. We now know that uh, more physical auctions are coming online. But I'm curious, Patrick, for this little moment in history here, what did this experience with online only buying mean and perhaps what do you think it might mean moving forward? You know, like any moment like this in time where you get a pause, unfortunately, in business and in the economy and all these things, I think what most people have taken advantage of during this time is really to study and take extra time to study the things that they didn't know they knew or what they thought they knew and they didn't. Hmm, <laughs> so yeah. I know we, we have become students of the market through this. And, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to represent Stockwave technology because we have the ability to do a cross-auction search so we can look in all online digital platforms uh, and not just, you know, one major auction or another. And we can see all that inventory and understand really where the activity and the transactions may lie, even though we've seen the volume come down significantly. Mm-hmm. What is happening is important to know, and it does, I think, give us some insight as to what might be around the corner as we try to get into some sort of recovery mode in the business. Well, now, if I talk to dealers today and I see this on Facebook posts, LinkedIn posts, and others, there's conversation you know, that says, there is no liquidity in the wholesale market. So even though, you know, as you watch it and you're using this moment to study it, I think dealers are feeling like there ain't enough going on to really do much. And, and I guess tell us more about what your thoughts are related to the state of liquidity out there. Well, I, you know, I believe that most dealers are kind of eternal optimists, the ones that I've you know, dealt with and, and I've dealt with thousands of them in my career in one shape or form, and then, you know, within the retail space myself. And I think there are so many of them that are looking for what is the opportunity that's going to come out of this once we do recover. Mm -hmm. And so there always seems to be buyers out there that act a little bit more like investors, right, instead of speculators. Yeah, Yeah. So they see an opportunity, and I think what they're really trying to understand is where's the bottom? 
right? At least on the wholesale market. That's the biggest fear. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to buy a stock on the way down to find out that it's going to go down that much further. I got a couple of choices. If I buy it on the way down and I buy it for $20 a share, it used to be 30 but then it drops to 15 I got a choice to either buy some more at 15 and average that out. Right. Or, you know, I got to just hang on for the long term and try to write it back up or whatever I bought at 20. Mm-hmm. And so I think there are dealers that are looking for the opportunity to kind of see where that bottom is. And we've seen a little of that happen as we've been watching the market here recently. What's an example or two of that happening? I'm curious to get a sense of what the activity itself looks like. So we've seen some cars put on uh, OBE by some independent dealers, large independent dealers that put and one in particular was a, uh, a pretty good sample size. So it was probably about 700 units. Wow. And Dale Pollock, our founder, you know, has written a blog about this, which really articulates the findings really well. But I'll, I'll kind of reiterate a little bit here because mm-hmm. I got a chance to dig into this data a little bit deeper. And we found this, really one of our performance consultants found this over the weekend, and literally he called me up and said, hey, there's some really crazy stuff going on here. you got to check this out, because we're all monitoring through safe searches and looking in the tool for activity and listings to see if anybody's going to make a move here and try to sell some inventory out there, and if anybody would actually buy it, right? Uh-huh. And sure enough, there's about 700 online listings. They literally, I would say for most purposes had no floor price, right? The minimum bid was like 50% of average MMR. So, <laughs> Wait, hang, hang, hang on, Patrick. You're telling me that there was a retailer who put 700 cars in the auction and basically said, I'll take what I can get with no reserve? Exactly. Wow. And I believe it was a test of the marketplace, a risky test at that, yeah. but to understand exactly who's out there is anyone buying and what might they pay relative to average MMR, which is kind of the gospel of the wholesale marketplace yep. Yep. in terms of what we should pay for a car. So, you know, 60 days ago, you know, we had the typical grumblings of guys paying 102 and 103% of average MMR. All right, that's going way over MMR, right? You hear it all the time. And I had Plenty of uh, guys and gals in the business who call and say, this is insane, right? But we're in the prime of our spring market and demand and supply and people out there with their hand up buying those cars. Mm -hmm. And so what we learned and what we know about average MMR is that it doesn't respond to significant jolts in the marketplace and and by design, right? Because we have seasonality that comes into play in the spring and the fall. And it's built to kind of smooth that out a little bit so that we don't take someone down a rabbit hole on any particular car with that value because we know they rely on it so much in terms of get a perspective of where the car might transact wholesale-wise and be able to still make a profit on it. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you watch average MMR and you saw these cars that were listed, where would they sell? Would they come back up to 100% of average MMR or would they come someplace below that? Now, everybody would initially think what we've been through where the market is completely shut down. There's been very little transactions, uh, not a whole lot of retail activity going on there. You would think that they would fall way short of that. And interestingly enough, they came in about 90% Hmm. of average MMR when you summed all those vehicles up. Had a significant amount of bid activity, over 18,000 number of bids, about 5,500 distinct bids uh, on these vehicles. Wow. 
So there's a lot of folks watching it. I looked at the list of the dealers that bought these vehicles. They were from all shapes and sizes, from all over the place. There wasn't any, you know, major big players that came in and scooped everything up. And it was interesting to see what almost looked normal of an opportunity to go buy some cars. Now, are we, you know, happy that these cars sold at 90% of average MMR? You're sitting on cars in your inventory today. And you're saying, hmm, I might own a lot of cars for over average MMR because I've reconditioned them and I've invested in them. Yep. But I think that story, I think in, <laughs> Dale Pollock called it a haircut, yeah. <laughs> not a buzz cut, <laughs> which I thought was perfect. I mean, that, that dealers get that. Yeah. And so I think that was encouraging that that happened. And this is some insight that, you know, we hope we can we can look towards the future and say that there is an opportunity to start getting this machine moving a little bit. One other aspect to that story, which I read about, Patrick, isn't it also true that where those cars landed is kind of where Mannheim's MMR retention figure would suggest they would land? Is that correct? Exactly. And this is a value that dealers can find online at Mannheim's site. And what MMR retention does Unlike MMR average, which I mentioned earlier, doesn't quite respond to those radical changes in the marketplace. It's got a little bit of a smoothing effect on it. MMR retention is a little bit of a shorter-term view. So and if you go and look at the data online, it's actually a daily graph, if you will. Right now, MMR retention, I pulled it this morning, is running at about 92%. So this is really interesting that it mirrors where these cars that could have been purchased at any level (laughs) as a percent of MMR average were right in that 90% range. MMR retention is hovering right around 92% of average MMR. So I think that is our best data point and best indicator. And we are highly encouraging from our market insights, our performance consultants, our performance managers, are trying to get that message out that keep an eye on this metric because we really believe that's going to give you the best insight of where wholesale transactions are at the moment. What do we know, and I know this is a little off the wholesale market, but what do we know at the moment, Patrick, about retail? Is it just too volatile at the moment to really go there? Yeah, I think this is the trickiest part, right? I know that we are, the auto, are trying to provide as much insight into this as possible. Where we are today may not be the best snapshot, but what we're trying to do is to provide a similar insight as that MMR retention. In other words, a little shorter-term tracking so that when we do start to see retail moving, can we tell, and we're going to use the the metric of market day supply, which is the bread and butter behind the auto, in my opinion, as a former performance manager – We're going to use that metric to try to provide some insight down to the year make model and trim level as we do in market day supply to be able to show dealers whether they're starting to see that market day supply come down or go up in a given model. So my understanding, we've been able to provide some insight where typically we look at market day supply over a 45-day sales period we're starting to reflect in some reporting that we can provide to our performance managers. We're shrinking that timeline because we know as things start to take off, what happens in 30 days, what happens in, let's say, 14 days, the last two weeks, can we start to see a trend on a particular vehicle 
so we know exactly where the demand and supply is on that vehicle. If I may summarize, Patrick, I think what you guys have found in discussing these vehicles that sold in the wholesale market in the last few days, number one, when it comes to answering that question about is there liquidity, the answer is yes, that there is. I guess it may depend. That's what it was a couple days ago. It might be different tomorrow, but we know what happened, correct? Correct. And I think the other lesson, something we can keep track of going forward, I spoke to a lot of our performance consultants, you know, again, students of the market, they are helping their dealers to build safe searches on different sectors of the wholesale market. So let's say there's a particular daily rental company that tends to sell a lot of vehicles you know, into the wholesale market space. I've seen our performance consultants working with our dealers to be able to say, okay, let's set up a safe search and just understand exactly what volume of units and what those vehicles look like are coming into the market every day. Now, we know very few of them are leaving right now, right? But as they see that volume of units coming into the market, that entity is going to start to liquidate those vehicles, right? And so dealers can be in a position to see if that's an opportunity for them and really see, like we found with this transaction, to understand where the wholesale market is going. A little example that we just used, but over the next 30, 60, 90 days to be able to watch this activity. Because let's face it, there is a lot of wholesale volume building up around the country with off-lease cars and daily rental vehicles that are coming out of service that are going to be pushed into the marketplace at some point. And where and when that's going to happen, I think, is a real strategic opportunity for those dealers that run pretty lean and mean. I get it. They probably built the inventory up that they didn't want to because we've gone for about 45 days here with a, to a grinding haul. But those that, you know, run a velocity method of management mm-hmm. and keep pretty lean and mean, they may be in a nice position in the not-too-distant future once things get restarted to be able to take advantage of some of that inventory coming in and buying it right. You mentioned something, Patrick, that intrigues me. So what you're saying is saved searches that are kind of built around specific vehicle segments, which sounds a bit more granular and focused than maybe where dealers were just a few months ago. Is that a fair assessment of what's happening here? Yeah, I think you want to find, you know, again, if if we're able to provide you with the market as we watch it start to hopefully expand and the retail activity start to pick up, as you see opportunities in segments, price bands, then be able to go back and say, I could actually be in a position to acquire additional inventory once I've got my own house in order. And Mm -hmm. I can create some safe searches around there to see those vehicles come into the market and really know where to transact. So now I've got my MMR retention value, which says, okay, this is where I think as a percent of MMR average, because that's my go-to number when I decide to put, you know, in many cases, decide what I'm going to pay for the car. I'm starting to get some better retail visibility, at least from a market day supply. Now, where that average retail price is, going to be still a little bit tough to track down, right? Because we don't know where that's going to move. But at least if I can see where wholesale is, and I've got a bit of an indicator there, I understand that at least that segment of that price band is starting to generate some activity. Those vehicles are starting to move 
then I could have more confidence in where I could pay for a vehicle, what I may be able to sell it for, and know that I can make profit. So it is a bit of a, it's going to be a challenge. There's no doubt about it. It gets me back to what I said in the beginning is if there's ever a time that you want to be a, a student of the data and the business, that's what we're really trying to help dealers navigate through. And, you know, we've got 160 performance managers and another, you know, 40 performance consultants who are there ready to help these dealers win in what's going to be a new market for a while. I think what you're saying is it's almost like watching the wholesale market in a way that you wouldn't have needed to in the past, but today it's kind of critical so you can figure out where your spots are to make your moves. Absolutely. And I think you need some help with that. I think that's hard to figure that out on your own. I don't think dealers spend this much time. They're not data scientists by trade, but we are hoping that because we do have these insights and we're in this data every day, that we can share it with our clients and help them you know, navigate through what's going to be a challenging time. But as we all know, there's always seems to be lots of opportunity when you come out of a crisis like this. And there will be some that will be very successful on the backside. Thank you, Patrick, for taking us through that, because I do think that that's going to help dealers understand a little better of where they might want to land when it comes to moving inventory in the wholesale market or bringing it home from the wholesale market. The idea of, you know, we were in this online-only era for a few days, and I guess I've got to believe that perhaps it's pushed some dealers and buyers into the online market, maybe kicking and screaming and reluctant, but nonetheless, they're there. And I suspect that we may see that continues. I don't know. But I guess from your experience, Patrick, what would you say are maybe one or two things? If I'm the person that's just kind of, you know, said, eh, I don't want to buy cars online, but now I feel compelled to do so. What are a couple of tips you can offer me to make sure that I'm not making rookie mistakes? Well, I think what's going to be uncomfortable for many of the traditional buyers is that, you know, I'm not scanning bins in the lane, mm-hmm. picking tires and looking at my guidebooks and putting a number on a vehicle and stand there bidding until I'm either in or out. That's the typical routine for some of these folks. And that's just not going to be available. I mean, whether it's online or whether it's simulcast. These vehicles are going to have to be purchased on an online platform. And in my opinion, you need as much technology surrounding that as possible. Because if Mm -hmm. I can't physically touch the car, I can't look at it, all of a sudden a condition report becomes a really important piece of data, right? Something that I should study well in advance of that car running. And the great news is the industry has come a long way on condition reports. I mean, there is tedious amounts of time spent to make sure that a vehicle is represented correctly and that there's full transparency and there's assurance products that stand behind that. So this, hey, I got burnt and they didn't tell me about this, those days are in the past. I mean, I have tons of colleagues and friends of mine that tell me that they can't remember the last time they physically went to an auction or, you know, physically looked at a car that they bought. (laughs) They saw it on the back end after they already bought it but they knew exactly what to expect because they understood the condition reports and and they did it. The other part of it is just trying to gather as many data points as possible because just like the conversation we just had, by the time that you look at a guidebook to figure out a value right now, it's too late, (laughs) right? (laughs) The guidebooks 
we're looking in the rearview mirror, and just like this conversation about MMR, which is the holy grail of, right. of wholesale data versus this MMR retention, which nobody knew what that was until this podcast and maybe a few days ago when there were some articles written by Mannheim, that's the insight that I think is going to be critical. And, you know, if you're using technology to evaluate that car, there's so many more data points that are available versus scanning a VIN, looking at your phone, where you might just have a black book and an NADA figure that you can eyeball and then get in there and start bidding. So I think there's a lot of demand. There's some metrics that you need to look at. You know, we have things in Stockwave like auto trader scarcity, which the great thing is people are still shopping online. We're seeing significant amount of traffic. Actually, that's increased <laughs> during the crisis because people are at home, they're shopping. There are a lot of demand metrics that can give you some sense of which vehicles are being shopped the most. All of that data, I think, is really important to be able to make sure you don't make a mistake in buying the vehicle. Not because you're buying it online, but just buying the right vehicle that's going to get back to your lot and you're going to be able to turn quickly and make some profit on it. To summarize all that, it seems like those folks are probably comfortable with how they've done things. There's other ways to do the same things they've been doing physically in in more of a virtual realm, and it's about building comfort with the virtual realm. Yeah, that's exactly right, Lance. Patrick, thank you for your your perspective and taking time for us today. We appreciate it. Would you be willing to come back here in the next couple weeks as we uh, pay more attention to the wholesale market's evolution? Absolutely. I will be studying away, doing my homework, I promise. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Thanks, Patrick. And folks, thank you for listening in to this episode of the V-Auto Podcast. Until next time, I'm Lance Helgeson. Stay well.